0: Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Ever since the 49ers made their move to get that third pick in the draft, the question has been, what are the Niners going to do on Thursday night? I mean, we know they're going to take quarterback. You don't give up what they gave up and then not take a quarterback. So we know that. We just don't know which quarterback. And while you really cannot assume anything at all this time of year, you can assume this you can assume that they will not be taking Trevor Lawrence because we know he's not going to be there. He'll go first overall to Jacksonville. That much we do know. Almost certainly, we can also assume that they will not be taking Zach Wilson because he will go number two to the Jets. Almost certainly, we can assume that. But then it's anybody's guess who the Niners do take at number three. Now, I don't know who it's going to be. But seeing the guy who's making the call, Kyle Shanahan, listening to him yesterday, and it is going to be his call, I am a little concerned because my man, son of the lobster, got dark with it. Really, really dark with it.
1: Um, I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday. So I can't guarantee who will be on our roster on Sunday. Um, So that goes for all of us.
0: Wait, what? Hey, uh, Coach, I know you and Pops are clairvoyant and bleep, but is there something the two of you know that the rest of us don't know? Because I'm pretty sure that that was just a question about what the team was going to do with Jimmy G, and not about how much longer we all have left on this planet. We're trying to talk to you about your QB1, and you're rambling on about the impermanence of man. We think we're showing up for a pre-draft press conference and instead an existential crisis breaks out. Can you run that back for me?
1: Um, I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday. So I can't guarantee who will be on our roster on Sunday. Um, so that goes for all of us.
0: All of us. I mean, damn, that got dark in a hurry. Hey, yo, coach. How you feel about that running game this season? If you stare into the abyss... The abyss stares back at you. Yeah, uh, okay. Hey, uh, Coach, when you look at the possible quarterbacks available to you with that third pick, how do you compare them? I am become death, destroyer of worlds. Yeah, yeah, okay, Kyle. uh, Hey, how about Mac Jones? Mac Jones is the guy, right? Life has no inherent meaning, and therefore, all humans have no purpose. Coach... Coach, what do you think about the team picking up the fifth-year option on Mike McGlinchey? To live is to suffer. To survive is to find some meaning in the suffering. Yeah. See, the thing is, the thing is, Shanahan's not wrong. I mean, there's no guarantee that any of us will be here on Sunday. I mean, it's pretty horrifying, and it's pretty true, and the challenge of being human is recognizing how fragile we all are, but not being paralyzed by that fear. Right, I mean, he's right, but I'm pretty sure that when that presser was announced, everybody was expecting a conversation about the team's plans for the third pick. Not a discussion of life, death, and man's inhumanity to man. Luckily, we got to some other interesting stuff, like the fact that Shanahan explained why they made that move in the first place.
1: We decided we needed a starting quarterback, so we traded two ones to get a starting quarterback. Uh, hopefully we end up picking the best one, but I know we're going to get a starting quarterback with that. And that's a smart move to me and not necessarily a smart move. It's the move that you have to do. And that's how much it costs to do these type of things. Or you just sit there and wait and keep your fingers crossed and hope things work out. And that's something that we don't want to do this year.
0: Yeah. Either that or we'll all be dead by Sunday. Yeah. Actually coach now we're getting somewhere kind of sort of not really. I mean, what, what do you think when you hear that? What does that tell you? That tells me that despite everything they would have you believe, Jimmy G is not their starting quarterback anymore. I mean, maybe. Maybe he keeps the seat warm for whoever they do draft. But Shanahan pretty much came right out and confirmed he does not think that Jimmy G is their starter. Which leads to the natural question about whether they plan to trade Jimmy during the draft. And that leads to the inevitable answer about life and death. So, if you were hoping that that press conference would provide answers about the 49ers' plans with the third pick, aside from the one about the potential end of the world on Sunday, you were begging. Sort of. Because Shanahan, I mean, coy as can be, he did say that when they made that move, and it was a big move, they made that move with a player in mind and...
1: That one's gotten better since, and so have all the other candidates. Do we know exactly who we want? Maybe, probably, but maybe not. I don't feel like we need to say that.
0: (laughs) Hey, look, I I mean, why we expect anybody to say anything at all this time of year, I have no idea. And in their defense, there really is no reason for them to tell anybody what they're doing and why. But if you're reading between the lines, it sure seems like Mac Jones, right? Give an example. There was that report from NFL Network that the Niners had eliminated Justin Fields from consideration, and now it's down to Jones and Trey Lance. And then consider Shanahan's known appreciation for pocket passers. Then you have him bringing Drew Brees up out of nowhere when he was asked about the value of mobility now around the league.
1: I don't care when Drew Brees comes out, whether it's 30 years from now, 30 years ago, or today. Drew's going to be pretty good.
0: And then there was this line also from Shanahan.
1: If you would have been excited about one of these guys at 12, then you should be excited at 3. All
0: right, so I'm trying to make sense of that. If you'd been excited about one of these guys at 12, then you should be excited at 3. That kind of seems like a Jones reference, right? Because there's that suggestion that Niner fans are not fired up about moving up to get Jones when they think they could get Jones at 12, where they were. But while that seemed to be a hint that it's Jones – maybe it's not. Maybe it's just smoke. It could be smoke. Generally speaking, if I hear anything consistently this time of year, I assume the opposite is true. Like, if there's information floating around out there, it's because somebody put it out there, and they did it for a reason. So the more I hear that Mac Jones is a lock at number three, the more I think he might not be. Then again... Not to confuse matters even more. Then again, picking there, there's no reason for them to have a smoke screen. We know who the first two picks are going to be, so they'll have their choice of the remaining quarterbacks at number three, so there is no need for any smoke, right? Then again, who the hell knows? Is he being straight, or is he playing tricks? Or is he playing tricks by being straight? Is it a bluff, or a double bluff, or a triple bluff? Who the hell knows? Man, who knows? This is the only thing I know right now. I love the move. I love a coach and an organization digging in and taking an enormous swing. Because that's what that is. They're all in. If they're right, they're geniuses. If they're wrong, it's going to set that franchise back. And it's going to affect careers and possibly legacies. So it's brass as hell. I couldn't respect it any more than I do. I love when a team says, hey, we're really good. But really good is not good enough. I respect that. I respect the hell out of that. Some organizations just want to hang around, sell tickets, move merch, and hope they get lucky. The 49ers are looking to make something happen, and they're looking to make it happen right now. They're not dining out on an NFC Championship trophy they won last year. They're not telling stories about how close they came to winning it all. Kyle Shanahan is staking a hell of a lot on this. He's saying we need to get better, and I'm going to put my name, my rep, my old man's name... The whole lobster legacy on it. I love it. This dude's a competitor. And he's tough as hell. You could see that in his team last year when they kept fighting and battling despite all those injuries. This guy wants to win all the time. You can't say that about everybody in that league. So, Shanahan and the Niners are looking to make something happen. And I think it's great. But then again, it might not matter, right? You know, that whole thing about how we might be at the end of the world come Sunday?
1: Um, I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday. So I can't guarantee who will be on our roster on Sunday. Um, So that goes for all of us.
0: All right. that, That being said, and the guy's not wrong, right? Normally at this point, I'd read a little reaction. But what I normally do is I run down the rest of the show. But the fact of the matter is, I don't know that I'll be here for the rest of this show. In fact, I don't know that any of us will be here for the rest of this show. Well, I mean, TV-wise, I guarantee I won't be here. Heads up, hour number three, we're not on TV. I don't know that we'll even be here for the rest of this segment. All right? Like, I know that I've got Kyle Pitts on at the end of the hour. Electric talent, biggest name in the draft that's not a quarterback, and I can't wait to talk to him. But will any of us be here even for the end of this segment? Yeah, I don't know. Shani can't guarantee you that. The only thing I can guarantee at this point are your bad phone calls, your even worse tweets, and your horrific emails, and Ike Ritz arrogance. Mm. That's all I can guarantee. Mmm, arrogance. That's about all I can guarantee at this point. Hey, are you craving some protein after a good workout? You know it. Don't make a shake. Don't eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender, made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire, and it goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Make sure you look for Old Trapper in the clear view bag. That way you can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And if you don't see it, make sure to ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Oh well, trapper, what's your beef? Kyle Pitts is my guest. Kyle, great to have you on. How are you?
2: I'm doing good. How you doing?
0: Good, good. Listen, so we're about 48 hours away from the start of the draft and you hearing your name called. I'm curious, what has the draft evaluation process been like for you and how you approaching the next 2 days? Like are you enjoying this process or if you could hit that speed button, would you fast forward to the night right now?
2: I definitely am enjoying the process. It's something new, so I wouldn't hit that speed button. I, I never get bored with the process. I know it's a, it's a lot that comes with it, and I know I've been working for this and wanting to. I want to experience it all. So, just taking it all in, soaking it all in, meeting new people, doing different things that you know I didn't get a chance to do at college. So, that's something that's pretty fun, and I'm 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 pretty excited for for the next 48 hours.
0: <laughs> I like that. I like that response a lot. Kyle Pitts joining us. So take me back. The story goes that when you heard about the 49ers moving up to get that number three pick, you texted your tight ends coach, Tim Brewster, and you asked, quote, is it a QB or is it me? End of quote. I also like that a lot. What made you think that maybe it might be them making a move to get you?
2: Uh, that was, that was in the beginning before I feel like the quarterback uh, talk started to increase, but um, and I was just getting information, uh, maybe thinking that they were interested, or you know I was having meetings with them. But that was before, like I said, before the before the quarterback hype came. So that kind of that kind of left that train left. I, I don't really think they're gonna
0: pick me anymore. Cal Pitts joining us. Hey, by the way, this time of year, you never know, right? You never know. When you hear information, you never know exactly what to believe. This much is certain, though. The expectation is you're going to be the first non-quarterback selected in the draft. But if you were to take a step back from that, do you believe that you're the best player in the draft, regardless of position? Uh, yes, I do think I'm the best player in the draft, um, regardless of position. I think I'm the, I'm the I think I'm the best
2: non-quarterback in the draft. But, you know, it's a lot of work to be proven, so that's the only way that's going to be shown is is through my gameplay.
0: We were talking to Kyle Pitts, getting ready for the upcoming draft. to finally get sent away on Thursday. You know, if you go to the right spot with coaches who know how to maximize your talents, I don't want to get ahead of myself, and I'm sure you don't either, but, like, what is your upside? Like, how good do you think you can be the Hall of Fame, for instance. I mean, it's an absurd thing for me to say to a guy who hasn't been drafted yet. But is that something that's on your radar? Maybe in the back of your mind, are we talking about? Are you thinking all-time great?
2: Um, I'm definitely thinking all-time great, but you know, it's still still things to work on, still work to put in in order for me to be the best. So, uh, I think the ceiling's still pretty high, and I think that I have a lot of things that I can improve on in order to make me the best. So, uh, but I would say the upside is just, I would say, just my my uh, mental side of the game. Um, I feel like I do a great job in studying for them in order to, you know, watch my opponent and and see how I can defeat them every play.
0: All right, so to that point, Kyle, for instance, the term unicorns come up quite a bit to describe you. I'm curious about your reaction. Like, do you think that's a good thing or do you think maybe it's a way to kind of undersell what you're talking to me about right now, the amount of work you put in on the practice field, the amount of time you put in in the weight room, the amount of time you put in the film room. In other words, do you like that term unicorn or do you think maybe it, it undersells you? I definitely like love the term unicorn because you
2: can't find unicorns We're just walking around in the forest. <laughs>
0: there you go. But uh, they're, they're,
2: they're kind of unique and I feel like what I bring to the table is pretty unique and I think that that kind of helps me you know, beat certain things and do certain things.
0: Cal Pitts joining us. You mentioned the competition. Like you've gone up against some of the best DBs in all of college football. You've beaten all of them. Who were the guys that gave you the biggest challenges?
2: Uh, I would say probably J. C. Horn or Pat Sertain. Those are the two best corners in the, in, the, in the draft. from Tyson Campbell. Uh, all those guys gave you know great matchups during, throughout the game. And every time I got to go against them, it was it was. You know, they made sure I was working, and uh, it wasn't an easy easy matchup.
0: Talking to Kyle Pitts for a few more moments. Now, when I say teams are fired up about you, there's also the Dallas Cowboys and owner Jerry Jones saying, quote, I'm excited to have you come into this league, and, man, what a pair we could do with old Dak Prescott and some of these guys that we've got out there with options to get you the ball so we can dream of visions of sugar plums around here. Gotta ask Kyle, like, what's it like to hear a team owner saying that he's got visions of sugar plums when he thinks about you in the offense? Does that feel pretty cool, or does that feel a little weird?
2: Oh, uh, that def- that definitely is a little cool because um, someone like you know Mr. Jones—he's he, a highly touted uh, GM—and and the Cowboys is a great organization. And you know, with that, uh, with him saying that, it kind of kind of made me laugh. I feel like because he's a uh, He's someone that, you know, speaks his mind. They're, they're really hev- heavily offensive oriented. So, you know, to get a chance of, if I do get the chance to play for the Cowboys, that would be something special.
0: My man, I think that if I were you and I had that opportunity to put that star on the side of the helmet and to play for an iconic owner in a franchise like that, I would think it is pretty cool to hear something like that. But since I'm just a dope behind a mic, man, I think that sounds weird. But I, I mean that <laughs> respectfully, you know. <laughs> I Talk, talking to Kyle Pitts but if I were you I would think that's awesome there's a lot of upside there you know what's kind of funny when you were involved in the, the draft process you were called the best tight end prospect in a generation but if we go back to high school you played quarterback and at one point you told the athletic quote I sucked at quarterback it's kind of a funny line I mean dude you, you might not have been as good a quarterback as a tight end but you didn't really suck at quarterback right
2: <laughs> uh, yeah I, I'm just going to say I just I feel like I knew I didn't have a future in it, so I was just, at that point, like, I feel like I was just throwing my arm out every day. I just didn't have the mechanics that it needed to be, but uh, I wouldn't say I totally sucked, but I just got the job done, put it like that.
0: Cal Pitts joining us. So you're working with Old Spice and Big Brother, Big Sisters of America. Lay it out for me. What is that all about?
2: Uh, I'm a proud partner to be with Old Spice and helping guys with the confidence to reach their full potential. Um, you know, at the NFL draft, we we'll, Old Spice will be partnering with the Big Brother and Big Sister. Uh, you know, to put spotlight on the mentorship. And to read more on it, you can visit Big Draft 21 to learn more about it. And you know, like myself, I had a mentor. So there were times where I didn't want to speak to my parents you know, about certain things or uh, speak to certain friends about it. But I had a mentor, Greg Garrett, and he was someone that I could call. That was like a third party, you know, to help me help me cope with things that I maybe I didn't. Like I said, talking to my parents about being away from home, um, financial literacy, a lot of different things. So being, being, being able to have a mentor and speak up, speak up about your problems, that's something I advise you know, all young guys and young girls to do.
0: Oh man, do I ever love my ex-chair. I have never had an office chair that looks or feels so amazing in my entire professional career. Honestly, it is so comfortable, I could sit for hours and never feel uncomfortable The secret is not only they're patented, Dynamic, variable, lumbar DVL support, which offers incredible lumbar support to my lower back. But now thanks to their new XHMT technology, I can also get heat and massage therapy while I'm sitting at my desk. So instead of my old, uncomfortable office chair, which by the way, I hated. Now I look forward to spending hours sitting in the ultimate therapeutic massager. This chair is absolutely insane. The XHMT. Delivers heat and massage technology right to my core. It helps to increase blood flow, muscle recovery, and energy. All perks that make working from home or the office amazing. I'm telling you, you will not believe the X chair difference until you feel the X chair difference for yourself. Trust me, it is the luxury supercar of office chairs. Check it out right now. X-Chair is on sale for $100 off. Go to xchairrome.com, xchairrome.com right now. That is the letter X, Rome.com. or call 1-844-4X-Chair. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. Go to xchair. Rome.com right now. Use the code XWheels for free X wheel blade casters. XchairRome.com. All right, so a few weeks Bye. back, back in early March, Baker Mayfield tweeted the following quote, almost 100 percent M and I just saw a UFO drop straight out of the sky on our way home from dinner. We stopped and we looked at each other and asked if either of us saw it. Very bright ball of light going straight down out of the sky towards Lake Travis. Anybody else witness this? End of tweet. And I know that a bunch of you dopes and haters were saying, It's just some dude from Texas seeing something in the sky and immediately thinking, it's aliens. They're coming to get us. The History Channel is full of shows like this. Normally when something like that happens, the guy who posted the tweet comes right back a few days later, walks back the original claim. The UFO turns out to be some sort of small plane, a weather balloon, or a drone. They admit the mistake. They apologize for the confusion. Normally, that's what happens. Not this time. Not only is Baker not walking it back, he's backing it up. He spoke with the media yesterday. He made a couple of things pretty clear. We were
1: driving home from dinner. I don't remember what day it was, but just driving home and had the music going. And it was one of those things. She was looking down at her phone right in passenger seat and nighttime. So when you're looking at your phone screen, it's everything's dark around. You can only see that light. But it was bright enough to where it caught her attention too. We kind of just looked at each other and like, did you just see that? Yeah. So other people in that area confirmed too. All
0: right. So that's significant for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's not saying that he was mistaken or that he subsequently learned that it was not what he thought it was. What he's doing is resetting the scene. He's telling you exactly what happened and how he reacted in that moment. That's important. He also is saying that there was confirmation from other people in the area as well, that he and M were not the only ones who saw it. And apparently not just confirmation from people in the area, but from folks in the Navy. I'm a
1: firm believer in UFOs and Sasquatch. Um, so it's real. I saw it. I'm glad the Navy finally confirmed some, uh, some more pictures. Uh, now everybody doesn't think I'm as crazy. Um, I
0: believe. Not just UFOs, but Sasquatch too. But what's important here is that's the quarterback of America's team saying the UFOs are real. When it comes to significant voices on this very important issue, America's quarterback is probably second only to America's president when it comes to weight and heft and cred. And if the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns is saying the UFOs are real, Then UFOs are real. Fact. Case closed. Now, if you're new to the conversation about UFOs, here is all you need to know. The quarterback of the Cleveland Browns said that he has seen them. And they're real. In other words, game, set, match, thanks for coming. Move on to the next topic. This one has been resolved. I'll tell you what you're not going to do. You're not going to come in here with some junk like that report that UFO sightings were up 51% last year during the pandemic. I'm quite aware of that study. And if you want to explain the increased sightings as a result of people being at home or being bored or being at home and being drunk off their asses, keep right on moving. Because you know what else has increased over the last few years? Government confirmation of what's happening like the photographs that surfaced earlier this month of an unidentified flying object that was spotted and photographed by Navy pilots. Not some kook in the desert somewhere. Navy pilots with all the hardware necessary, all the technology necessary. In March, the former National Intelligence Director told Fox News, quote, we are talking about objects that have been seen by Navy or Air Force pilots or have been picked up by satellite imagery that are frankly engaged in actions that are difficult to explain, end quote. I'll tell you what, that's a pretty interesting quote from the former National Intelligence Director, Andy Morris, saying, quote, These objects had, quote, movements that are hard to replicate that we don't have the technology for, or traveling at speeds that exceed the sound barrier without a sonic boom, end quote. So how does that sound? How does something like that get said by a guy who had crazy access to intelligence and people are not talking about this every single day? How is that not the lead story of every single newscast all day long? You've got the quarterback of the Browns talking about this. The former director of national intelligence talking about this. I mean, at this point, UFOs are practically like gravity. It's real. I can't explain it. I just know it's real. And if that's not enough, less than two weeks ago, a spokeswoman for the Department of Defense told CBS via email, I can confirm that the referenced photos and videos were taken by Navy personnel. She went on, quote, As we have said before, to maintain operation security and to avoid disclosing information that may be useful to potential adversaries, DOD does not discuss publicly the details of either the observations or the examinations of reported incursions into our training ranges or designated airspace, including these incursions initially designated as unidentified aerial phenomena. End of quote. Can I tell you something? She said potential adversaries. Are we talking about enemies in space? Have you ever heard, never mind them acknowledging UFOs as existing, We're talking adversaries now. This is nuts. How the hell are we talking about objects with movements that are hard to replicate that we don't have the technology for? And objects traveling at speeds that exceed the sound barrier without a sonic boom. And people aren't freaking out. Man, that is wild to me. There are members of the intelligence community, members of the military community, members of the football community, not only talking about this, But they're talking about things that people never talk about. And they're talking about them being adversaries. And we don't have the technology to deal with it. Or figure out what it is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We have adversaries in space. And no one's tripping. That's how far we've come. I don't know. Maybe this is what Kyle Shanahan was talking about. Maybe Baker Mayfield and Kyle Shanahan are part of some sort of UFO task force. Maybe Shanahan has been briefed on these objects that we cannot replicate. Maybe that's why roster construction on Sunday doesn't matter. I don't know about you. Um, so
1: that goes for all
0: of us. I'll be honest. This is not something that's keeping me up at night yet. But it sounds like it might be keeping somebody in the intelligence community up at night. And it should be. If we're talking about adversaries... And potential, potential space enemies? Man, somebody better be staying up at night. Somebody. Instead of spending all of our time worrying about and preparing for our enemies here on Earth, maybe we better be gearing up for those dudes screaming through the air at the speed of sound without making a sound and flying those crazy triangles. I don't know, man. It used to be that somebody said they saw a UFO and they were mocked for being a kook. Now somebody says they see when it's like, yeah, and? And? Happens. Happens to us all. Happens so every all. day. I just know this. I don't want to watch the next Baker presser and see an alien pop out of his chest. Sigourney Weaver will have to light up the entire Browns facilities. Arnold will have to put that face paint back on and hunt that SOB. a
3: chopper!
0: We're talking to Steve Jones Jr. for a few more moments. Taking the leaps that he's made as a star. I mean, not just being an all-star, but being
4: someone who is consistently scoring, hitting threes, step backs. Uh, you, people are waiting for the shoe to fall, but he's been great all season long. And I think this is a team that buys into what they're doing, plays hard on both ends, grinds you offensively, gets after you defensively. And they've bought in and put themselves at a level to compete. Uh, and potentially make some noise in the playoffs.
0: Steve Jones Jr., my guest, you know, you answered my next question. I was going to say, when you watch them, what do you see? And I think the answer to that. But in terms of the Knicks, it seems like also, Steve, they've got a pretty strong identity. How important is it to have that strong identity? And then how significant is it once you get to the postseason?
4: It's very important. I mean, we, we talk about the beauty of the game now, but it's kind of a copycat league. A lot of teams want to play in similar ways, play in similar fashions. This is a team that knows who they are. They know what they can do. They know what they can't do. And they just focus on what they can do and get after it. And that's kind of why I enjoy watching them play in this age of of NBA basketball. Uh, It's going to carry them through the playoffs because that kind of defensive mindset, that kind of ability to attack a superstar defensively, that can uh, have success in the playoffs. And offensively, you're going to have their challenges, but teams are going to try and take your good stuff away anyways. If you know what you have to do to get and create opportunities, it's going to give you a shot to contend.
0: Steve Jones Jr., NBA analyst, joining us. Now, Miami Heat fans got pretty worked up when you predicted that if the Knicks get that fourth seed, they will advance in the postseason. What made you feel that way? And then what do you make of the reaction from Heat fans?
4: Well, the reaction was funny because I I was really talking about the Hawks and the Celtics, but they got super mad, which is okay. I get it because I I actually don't like the Knicks matchup with Miami. That's a whole different story. Uh, The reason why I would say the Knicks, if they can get that 4-5 matchup, have a shot to get to the next round is, again, because of their ability to defend, uh, their ability to score. I don't like their matchup with the top three seeds in the East. I, I think they could be a tough out, but I don't think they have enough offense to beat Brooklyn. Uh, I don't think they have enough size and length to beat Philadelphia. I would be interested in seeing them play Milwaukee, but that's usually an unpopular opinion for me. So I think for them to make the noise that they could make with this team, it has to be in that 4-5 or matchup. Uh, but I, I think with the defense that they bring and that game plan defense for superstars, they got a shot in the first round of that 4-5 matchup.
0: Steve Jones Jr. joining us. Steve, so go back to the Heat for a minute. What what do you make of the fact that they went to the finals last year, but they're currently two games over five hundred and they're sitting in the number 7 hole in the East as of today? When you look at them, what do you see?
4: Well, I see a team that's still trying to find itself. Uh, whether it's injuries, whether it's health and safety protocols, they haven't necessarily been able to put together the same lineups make the same run they had last year. Obviously, when you make Victor Oladipo, that's to raise your ceiling, uh, but his injury is also taking you back to the team that you were. So it's, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic where Miami has the ability to still make that run and cause problems for teams, but they are who they are. You know, There's a low margin of error for this team. They need X, Y, and Z to happen. So defensively, they have to get after you and get stops. Offensively, they have to be hitting shots. If one of those two doesn't happen, they find themselves in a tough game, and it's a coin flip, which is why they're only a couple games over five hundred. So it's a team that you should still believe in, but you can also see exactly what's holding them back.
0: Steve Jones Jr. joining us. All right, so the Lakers, Steve, beat Orlando last night. They snap a three-game losing streak. AD went 18-8. and LeBron is expected back at some point. So when you look at the Lakers, I mean – Do they, because they're the Lakers, do they need to get everybody on the court and get some time together, or can they just flip the switch and go?
4: I would say you want want to see LeBron get on the court before the playoffs, but he's LeBron, so you can figure that out. I think getting Anthony Davis back is key, especially to get him some minutes with Andre Drummond. Uh, I, I still don't, I'm still not concerned with the Lakers as far as the run goes because they are matchup proof. They've shown enough over the course of the year that you can believe in what they can do in the playoffs defensively. They haven't lost a beat even without those guys, which is a key piece coming in, in towards the playoffs. And then offensively, you're still going to have Anthony Davis, you're still going to have LeBron James, and that's still going to cause teams issues. So you still have those two, you still have the defense, uh, they have the ability to still make that championship run.
0: All right. So what about the Nets? If you're not concerned about the Lakers as much, would you be more concerned about the Nets? I mean, they've got that talent, but that talent has not spent much time together on the floor. And then you got James Harden going back to square one. Do they need time together before the postseason or can they put this thing together somehow on the fly?
4: I think they can still put it together just because of the mindset they've shown this season. I mean, we we think about the top three, the super team type talent, but they have a mindset that's a little bit different. They're self-aware as far as over the years, knowing, I mean, over the season, knowing, hey, we need to get better defensively to get to where we want to go. I mean, you have a situation where Steve Nash is asking Katie if he wants to come off the bench or start. That speaks volumes to the culture. Uh, I think the Nets are in a position to still be okay. Now, obviously, you want to see those three together. You want to be able to work out some of the Kinks lineup-wise, fourth-quarter-wise, close-game-wise. But having those three is still going to be an issue for teams to deal with in fourth quarters and close games and playoff series. And even without having them the entire season, they've only played seven games, you're still the top team in the East. So it's hard to feel... You know, too bad about what you're
0: doing we're talking to steve jones jr for a few more moments steve at the top of the interview i asked you about the suns and the knicks let me ask you about the suns specifically we're talking about a team now the won 19 games in 2019 they averaged less than 23 wins the three seasons prior then they have that breakout in the bubble last year what do you make of how much this team has changed with the arrival of monty williams before last season and then chris paul before this year Well,
4: you know, I think you have to give a tip of the cap to Monty Williams for bringing that mindset, bringing the ability to have those guys believe in what they're trying to do, get the effort, and attack defensively, score offensively. Then you add Chris Paul to that, and now they're off to the races. Uh, You know, this is a team that believes in what they're doing. They got the lineup versatility. Uh, They have the ability to execute in the half court, uh, get after you defensively. Those are things that will translate in the playoffs. So I'm a firm believer in what Monty's done in Phoenix, I think with Chris Paul's veteran presence, his ability to close games, his ability to operate the offense and make sure everyone's in the right spot, it's really helped Phoenix take it to another level.
0: So Steve, your father, Steve Stamper-Jones, was an ABA All-Star. He was a beloved NBA analyst and figure. What was it like growing up the son of a legend?
4: It was a blessing. It was 1,000% a blessing. I was able to get a master's education in the game of basketball and also in life.
0: Uh, but just had to get
4: different viewpoints, different <laughs> thoughts on the game, uh, to be able to see the game in different ways, even if I didn't understand it. You know, for 18, 19, 20 years, I felt like my dad would ask me questions about basketball, and I would answer it, but I wouldn't get the right answer. And I kept inching towards it. And you know, When I knew I started to know about the game was when I was able to kind of have those conversations with him, because I had some really bad takes, Jim. I'm not yeah. going to lie. I had some really bad takes. But that was the biggest blessing, and him just – letting me know, hey, all you have to do in this life is be yourself, be authentic, and the rest will take care of itself.
0: He was super, man. He was such a good dude. I I would imagine, Steve, it's got to be a blast even to this day. As you go around the league and you do your job and you do your work, then people stop you and probably tell you things like, man, your dad, he was the best. I mean, is that just a blast and a kick for you to hear still?
4: Honestly, it's the the greatest part. As much as I miss him, to be able to uh, know that the person he was to me Um, he had that impact on others and to continue to hear those stories it kind of just kind of fuels me and it, it, it warms my heart so it's always great to hear that
0: stuff. I figured as much. That's cool to hear. Steve, really quick before you go, I'm older, so I'm curious because you played at UNLV for a time mm-hmm. and you were extremely well respected there and beloved for your energy, for your effort, the way you got after it. Because I came up when I came up. I came up in the glory days, man. I came up when they were in the Big West and I went to UC Santa Barbara and then I broadcast games and, man, they would roll in. And I've told the story a million times. I don't even give a damn at this point that people are tired of hearing it. It <laughs> was an awesome, awesome time. When when Anderson Hunt and Greg Anthony and Mo Scurry and Grandmama rolled in there, it was like the Lakers. As somebody who played at UNLV, did you still feel any of that vibe? Did any of the guys ever come around the program? Oh, yeah.
4: Oh, yeah. The, the legends would come and they'd talk to us. You, you always felt it. It wasn't necessarily a pressure, but you knew you were chasing ghosts. Uh, I mean, you were the team in Vegas back then. Uh, and the team, the city wanted that. You know, They wanted to be able to have that pride. And, and you had to carry it on your shoulders. So, yeah, when you when you were able to hear from LJ, hear from Anderson, it would get you excited, and you go out there and try and do your best.
0: Man, those were fun times, and they played hard, dude. They played oh, yeah. hard. I mean, we know they had game, they had talent, but they played hard. Both ends of the floor and defensively, they got after you. That amoeba defense that Tim Gergerich used to teach them, man, that was tough.
4: Very tough, very tough. And I think that's one of the things people I think that Vegas loves glitch and Glam team. They like a team that gets after it and, and can get stops and make things happen. So it'll be interesting to see.
0: Dad Grit, he's an NBA analyst who plays college ball at UNLV in Arizona State, co-host of the Dunker Spot podcast, Steve Jones Jr. Steve, great to have you on the show. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. All right, so speaking of slump busting... Coming into last night's game against the Cubs, the Atlanta Braves, of all teams, had not pushed a run across the dish since Friday. That's not good. Not good. That's below not good. Below not good. And then even worse, they were on the wrong end of a mad bum no-no, a Zach Gallen one-hitter. And we're talking about a Braves squad that had a total of seven base knocks over the course of of a three-game series against the Snakes. Seven hits in a three-game set. We're A good team. A team that could swing it. Apparently, shortstop Dansby Swanson had seen about enough and smelled about enough. So he showed up to the yard early yesterday packing heat. And not any heat, but heat in the form of burning sage. My man went all essential oils and healing crystals with it. Kinda, sorta. I mean, same genre. Why hit the batting cages when you can leisurely walk around the stadium and clubhouse torching sage? Why pick up a bat when you can burn sage? I mean, burning sage has been a spiritual ritual for centuries. It's believed to cleanse a person or a space and to promote wisdom. And when you're in the kind of tank the Braves have been in this past weekend, you could use some serious cleansing and spirituality. So Dansby Swanson cleansed the entire environment. And he wouldn't be the first guy to sport some kind of superstition to try to kickstart a slump. Jason Jombie back in the day wore a magic gold thong to get right. Man, where does the time go? Jombie. Jason Jombie. When was the last time you thought about Jason Jombie? I'll tell you one better. Remember Davey Concepcion? Remember Davey Concepcion? Great, great shortstop of the Reds back in the day. Yeah, my man apparently would crawl into the Reds industrial-sized dryers, clothing dryers, to, quote, get hot again. Is that something you do in college when you're drunk? Is that a drunk frat boy move in college? Yo, man, let's go to the laundromat and get in the dryers. This was a big leaguer doing it. And not to be funny either because every party has one or even every team has one, but my man thought that it would work. Can we stop right there? Could you imagine actually getting into a dryer to, quote, get hot again. I don't remember Joe Morgan getting in the dryer, or Johnny Bench, or Pete Rose, or Don Gullet. I don't remember any of that. I know my man Sparky Anderson never got in a dryer. These dudes are professional athletes, and they're doing themselves as laundry Did my man Concepcion ask somebody to pass a dryer sheet? Did somebody tumble him on delicate mode? Did he have to change the lint screen upon emerging? Did they throw one of those little little things in that softens the clothing and gives it a nice fragrance? You know, the, the fabric softener, but the bounce. Did they drop a bounce in there for him? I don't know, man, I got questions. What happened when he ran out of quarters? And like every other D-bag in the laundromat, did they just leave him there when he was done and come around and pick it up when they were ready? Come on, man. There's two dryers for the entire building. Can somebody come and get Concepcion out of here? Or do you pull them out of there and just leave them on top? Or move them over to the washer? I got to admit, when I quote made it, my first purchase, my favorite purchase, wasn't even my first house. It was my first washer and dryer, man. It was so great to get out of that laundromat life, wasn't it? It was so great to get out of that washer and dryer, share in the complex life. I got sick of going in there to move my laundry only to see Davy Concepcion in the dryer. Pissed me off, man. I remember Carlton Fisk would stop eating donuts in the morning to make sure he was more pissed off and focused. And that pissed me off, too. Cut myself off of donuts. Richie Ashburn would take his ice-cold bat to bed, quote, to get to know it better. And, of course, the obvious one that you all want to reset every day, all day, Mark Grace. What would Mark Grace do back in the day? I think we all know how Grace approached busting a slump.
5: I love the naked pictures of the 250-pound babes. It's so cool. I, I, I put them all over the locker room, and I say, I'd say, hey, guys, here's some more fan mail, and they're so jealous. They're like, Gracie, no wonder you hit so good. You're, you're slump busters every single day. A slump buster is if, uh, if a team's in a slump, or if you personally are in a slump, you got to
1: find the and and you just got to. And when you do that, you're you're just going to have instant success. And it's called. It's, it's also can be called
0: jumping on a grenade for the boys. I mean, no words. That that was a thing back in the day. That that was an acceptable thing back in the day. That that made him a legend back in the day. If you want the unedited version of that, you can find it on your own, but not here. I'm not playing it here. Point is, baseball players will try almost anything. It's a game of failure. However, too much failure will drive them crazy and cost them their gig. So they've got to find ways to snap out of it. Which is why Dansby Swanson is walking around the yard in Atlanta torching Sage. And what do you know? It worked. He shoots this one to right field. Pretty well hit. Look at that ball carry. Look at that ball go. It's a home run for Dansby. He made us look sage. Even the announcers referenced the sage. Dansby jumps ship. The Braves explode for eight runs on ten hits. They snap the losing streak. These dudes got more knocks last night in that one game than they did in their entire series against the D-backs. Swanson said, quote, I might have to bring some tomorrow, too. Man, damn straight. Let that ride. Let it burn, yo. Let it burn. Let me tell you, Dansby. Maybe it's just me and what do I know because I've never done it. But that's got to beat the hell out of jumping into a drying machine. Or wearing a golden thong. Or ripping through slump busters. Dude, Davey Concepcion was tall, man. My man was tall and lanky. He could not have fit that well into that thing. That's got to be an industrial size dryer. And even then, how, th- there's so many things wrong with that, man. How hot do you think it must have been in there? Like, I know you wanted to heat up because your ice cold. That's got to be really hot, dude. And not to mention, you got to get banged around pretty good. Silk, brah. What's up, brah?
5: Brah, you know how I'm doing, brah. I'm on Kenley Watch right now after last night, but... Let's not make that the subject of the call. Uh, BT Dub, Trapper would have loved that call by Jeff, dude. Trapper had a great sense of humor. I think he would have thought it was super funny. Now, I really called about this guy in uh, Frisco who got his uh, golden ticket ripped. Um, I know you're trying to make a larger tent, and I, I know you got to lower the bar a little bit to get more involvement, but let's do a little hindsight on that. That was a bad move. So this guy takes his run up to the smack off by going with these super original takes on me that, one, my wife is rich, two, I'm a substitute teacher, and three, I lost to Tito. Good move, bruh. So what you did is you stole everybody's takes for the last year and a half, and you scoured the JTPs' uh, Twitter feeds and then repurposed it. That's pretty great, bruh. And uh, on a, the originality note, he says he's a stoner from Frisco with an advanced degree. A stoner from Frisco. That's that's pretty new, bruh. And props on you getting your paper from ITT or DeVry. That's great, bro. We do need qualified mechanics and HVAC guys. So that's pretty awesome. And then he tries to pimp his, quote, high-priced real estate. Well, that's great, bro. Well, let's uh, analyze that Bay Area real estate. The reason it's high-priced is because all those dot-com d-bags are gentrifying the place and shoving out anyone who, doesn't, who makes under 500 k It's not because the real estate's any good. I live in an Orange County beach town. That's high-priced real estate. I love Frisco, dude, Old, one of the oldest cities, uh, a lot of history. I love going up there, but it's always windy, cold, and rainy. I've never seen the sun in San Francisco. And by the way, can your real estate really be high-priced if it's constantly covered in feces and needles? So listen, brah, here's your suggestion to this guy in the Bay or the Frisco, wherever he is. Check out the Jim Rome Instagram reinvention project, brah, because you need to reinvent yourself as a decent caller. Welcome back, Alvy. How you doing, brah? Bruh. 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 Come on. That's not a
0: good call. No. You don't like that call. Too bad you ran call. him. I was going to rack him. Not I thought that was one of Silk's better calls. Let's go to Southfield. Jeff in Southfield. What's going on, Jeff?
3: Thank you for the vine, Jim. Jim, Paul tweeted that his golden ticket-holding dog's name is Bo Jackson. Apparently, Jim... He's a two-sport dog. In addition to being a phenom in the sport of competitive eating, Bo is also a professional wrestler of couch cushions and laundry piles and legs. Hey, dog Bo Jackson, real Bo Jackson isn't proud of how you're representing his name. He doesn't like that you keep getting bitch slapped by that fat-ass Garfield or that you keep getting punked. I elaborately manage your poodles. Hey, Dogbo Jackson. And then you get bullied out of your lunch money by the Taco Bell dog. Every day he says to you, Yo quiero tu dinero. And you hand it over like a coward. Hey, Paul's dog. You need to grow a pair. Oh, wait. You had a pair, but they got, um, yeah. Well, you enjoy that. Speaking of dudes who have been sniffed, Mark in Boston tweeted that after talking to many publishers, he finally has a book deal. It's true. The Guinness Book of World Records will be listing Mark's Jim Harbaugh tattoo as the lamest, stupidest, suckiest thing ever. Ever. Congratulations, Mark. The previous holder of that record is Stevie Carbone's job. Hey, Carbone. If it's true that you watch and write about The Bachelorette for a living, then it's true that you're a brain-dead idiot and a gossipy woman for a living. Way to go, champ. Hey, Steve, if your scandal with Demi Burnett ends up costing you your job, remember this. The job you're losing is the least important job in the history of everything. No job is more worthless. You can only go up from here, Steve. But Steve, I do respect that you apologize. So let me do the same. Steve, I'm sorry for that time I called you and told you about my fantasy where you actually made a smack off call that didn't suck. I realize now that that fantasy will never come true. And that it was inappropriate for me to express that to you. Hey Carbone, the only good thing you've ever done with your life It's to answer the question, whatever happened to Jamon from Fast Times at Richmond High? The answer, he became you. Seriously, clones, look at their photos. Hey, Jim, I found out where Adam Hawk got his fake last name from. Turns out it's a contraction of the word Hallmark, which explains why he often sounds like he's reading some stiff Hallmark card. I am producing this radio show and I am very grateful to be doing that as for it turns out the name Garrett it's the short version of the name share wake up old man Jim the saddest thing about this pandemic is that Ritt and his friends can't play bingo Hallmark and share Hall. sounds like the kind of soft rock that Rick and Buffalo would like actually if Rich sang for a pop band it would sound like this. Out where the river broke, the bloodwood and the desert out. All right, enough of that. Before I go, Jim, on a serious note, new details will come out on the death of jungle legend Trapper and Dana Point. According to his autopsy, Trapper had Tramp ghost tattooed on his lower back. No, but in all seriousness, hey, Trapper, Rest in peace. And what I mean by that is stay in your coffin and shut up. Let will wrap it. War of the smell of, of smacking of spring.
0: Holy crap, Jeff. I mean, holy crap, Jeff. Weird does not begin to do this cat justice. Dude, was that run at Trapper at the very end really necessary? Terrace, Marshall Jr. Terrace, great to have you on. How are you? And I'm good, all as well. How are you doing? Good, good. Same with me. Great to have you on. So the draft is now two days out. I got to ask, what's a normal day like right now for you? Are you hearing from teams, or have things started to kind of go quiet?
6: I'm uh, definitely hearing from teams. I've uh, been hearing from them you know, ever since pretty uh I mean, a lot, so... uh it's been a great process. It's been a fun process, and uh, I'm just looking forward to these next this in two days.
0: All right. So I would ask you how you prepared physically for the NFL, but there is a story from a little while back where you were training so hard and so frequently that even your mom said, "Quote, son, we need to chill out." And your response was, "Mom, I can't take a break because while I'm resting, I know the next man's working." End of quote. So where did that mindset come from?
6: Uh man, it just come from you know just being self motivated. Uh, just waking up every day, you know, knowing my purpose, uh, knowing you know why I do it every day. So uh, I just keep my drive going as much as possible. Uh, so I never want to stop working.
0: You know, it seems to me that if you've got that mentality, it's one thing to have that mentality when things are going well, but it's another thing to have that mentality when you have to overcome something. And the fact is, you're in the spot right now, and it's amazing because if we go back to high school, you broke your fibula, you dislocated your ankle in two places. It's the kind of injury that could actually end somebody's career. How were you able to come back from that both physically and mentally?
6: Oh, man, just just I give all the glory to God. Oh, uh, me and then my hard work, you know, to get back and push, you know, try to be back to my best self. Uh, I mean, I just, you know, stay dedicated, you know, and just kept my head, you know, uh, on the dream and uh, just not worrying about, you know, the, all of the obstacles and stuff. So I just, you know, try to fight that off and just continue to keep growing.
0: Terrace Marshall Jr. is my guest. I'm going to tell you something, though. It seems to me when you go through something like that and you go through something like that at a young age. I'm not really sure how you understood the things that you just laid out for me. As an example, your coach, LaJuan Lotson said that he broke down. He broke down, your coach, when he saw you got hurt. But when he spoke to you, you said, I'm good, coach. I'm good. It's not a big deal. This too shall pass. Again, that's a really mature attitude. How were you able to get to that place so quickly and get that perspective?
6: Oh Man, just like you say, I mean, the things that I've been through, uh, it's all about experience. Uh, I feel like I've, I've experienced a lot, you know, thus far, you know, with my age. So, I mean, it's just all come experience. You know, I feel like God, he, he put those obstacles in your life, you know, just so you can learn. So, uh, just all glory to him, you know. Without him, I wouldn't be nothing. So, I mean, I just continue to strive every day to be my best self. And I uh, just keep my head on, on, the, on the prize.
0: Hmm. Terrace Marshall Jr. joining us. The draft is coming up on Thursday. So I laid out your numbers. When you play wide receiver at LSU, then you're a part of a tradition of some great players. And you did put up numbers. What did you take away from your time at LSU and being a part of that great receivers room?
6: Uh, I took away a lot, man. Definitely got better, you know, on the football field. Uh, And as a person, you know, hanging around those guys, great personalities. Uh, We just made each other better. We made each other better
3: competitors.
6: Uh, on the field. So, uh, I mean, every day we was going at it, you know, competition, iron sharpens iron. So, I mean, I can say I learned a lot. I'm take, definitely going to take it with me to the, to the next level.
0: I've always loved that phrase, iron sharpens iron. And it does. Now, I want to say this, talking to you right now, obviously you've got great humility, but I'm looking at the numbers that you put up and from the outside, it seems to me, you tell me I'm right or I'm wrong from the outside. It feels like maybe you still do not get the respect that you deserve and you have earned. Does it feel that way to you at all? And if so, does that motivate you?
6: Oh uh, man, I just feel like you know wherever I'm at, that's where I'm supposed to be at. Uh, I don't really, you know, fall into all of the doubt, the doubters, and the politics. Uh, you know, I just do me. I just be me every day, and uh, you know, cream rises to the top always. So you know, in due time, they'll feel me. You know, I mean, it's not if not, it's just not meant for them to. Uh, everybody's going to pick their side. So I mean, I just you know continue to do what I do. And I'll just get better every day.
0: You just want to be where your feet are, right? Yes, sir. Terrace Marshall Jr. joining us. Yes, sir. All right, so you're coming off a year where you average more than 100 yards per game. It's not just that you do one thing. You can play inside. You can play out. How much pride there is there in that versatility and the fact that you can play both inside and out?
6: Uh, I take a lot of pride in it, you know, because, you know, similar guys to, that's my size, you know, can't, can't do that. You know, a couple of guys can't do that, so... I mean, I'm just you know grateful to be able to be in that position, you know, to do that. Um, I just you know, I'm just comfortable. I feel like I'm comfortable inside and out. I uh, look at it as as, as it as you know, it's just it's just offense. You just running routes. The ball's gonna come the same way, whether you're in the slot or not. Uh, so, if you just have that competitive mindset, then you'll ball anywhere on the field.
0: I want to talk to you for a minute, Terrence, about your great uncle, the great great Joe Delaney he played for Kansas City and I'm old enough that I remember him as a player and I remember him as a guy in 1983 he gave his life while trying to save three boys from drowning when did you first hear that story of him and what did he mean to you
6: and I heard it growing up at an early age you know from from six to seven you know from five you know I've been hearing that ever since I was those ages so Uh, I mean, I just, I love hearing about him. You know, every time that my family talk about him, they they tell me that that I remind them of him. So, I mean, I definitely feel connected to him in a way. And I'm just, uh, you know, getting this torch that he passed on to me. You know, he only played one year in the NFL uh, and then before he passed. So, you know, I'm just, you know, just continuing my legacy, my own legacy, and I'm also continuing his that he passed off.
0: I mean, he he was such a beloved figure and such a great player. And as you point out, everybody in your family talks about how much you were like Joe. That is such amazing praise. Like, what's it mean to hear that praise and to hear yourself be compared to such a special person like Joe?
6: Oh, man, it's loving, man. I I, th- I don't take it for granted, most of uh, I feel like my family support me to the fullest. And, uh, I mean, I'm just doing it all for them and, uh, and also for me and also for God. So, just, you know.
0: I appreciate your thoughts on that. He, he was a special, special guy. What a great player. Terrace Marshall Jr. Joining me for a few more moments. You know, this isn't something you talk about, but it's something you live. As an example, people around the program at LSU tell stories about the times that you've cleaned up the locker room or the fact that you're the one to collect the balls after a session with the jugs machine and then you put the jugs machine back or that you just pick up the trash around the facility. When you're a star player, you don't need to do those things. So why do you?
6: Uh, man, I just, I just like to help, help, help people out, you know, in the best way possible, uh, to put, put other people in better positions, you know, for, for their day. So, uh, I just, you know, I mean, that's just my mindset. Treat everybody good and treat everybody the same, you know, uh, just make everybody feel important around the building wherever I'm at. So, I mean, I, that's just, that's just the way I live and what I, how I move by.
0: You know, there's another motto, actually, that's important to you, and that's M2B. What does that stand for, and why is that something that is central to your story?
6: Uh, it says meant to be. And, uh, one thing that I live by is, you know, just everything happens for a reason. It's all in God's hands. So that's that's just the definition of it. Uh, it pretty much just correlates to everybody, every every life, you know, on Earth. And, uh, every, every situation that they go through uh, is meant to happen, and it's already written, you know. They're going to overcome whatever they're going through.
0: I like it. All right, so at the very top of the conversation, I asked you, are you still talking to teams? And you said yes. So when you talk to NFL teams, what do you want them to know about who you are and what you bring to the team on the field?
6: Uh, I just want them to know that I'm, uh, for one, uh, a smart student of the game, and uh, two, that, uh, that they can trust me, you know, that I'll be trustworthy enough to come on their team and dominate right away.
0: Let me ask you this finally, too. There's a lot of talk about you going in the first round. Is that something that's important to you to go in the first round, or is it more important to go to the right place with the right fit?
6: Uh, To me, it's more important to go in the right situation. You know, that's best fit for me. Uh, So, I mean, it's important for rookies, you know, to to go into a a good situation. So I just want to, you know, be put into the best situation and uh, just get my foot in the door.
0: He is a national champion, and I laid out the numbers, tied for number four in school history in career TD receptions. The NFL Draft is getting in away on Thursday. A former wide receiver with LSU, Terrace Marshall Jr. Terrace, great to have you on the show. Nice to speak with you. Good luck on Thursday, and we'll all be watching closely.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you. Appreciate the opportunity.
3: Good night now!